region that we here at Bostic refer to as Asia Pacific, or APAC, contains 30 countries and more than 4.2 billion people. It includes countries as large as China and India, with populations of more than a billion people each, and as small as Maldives and Brunei, with less than 1 million people combined. And each one of these countries has their own diverse cultures, histories, customs, and oftentimes languages, all of which can influence their preferences and expectations around absorbent hygiene products. Even within some of the larger countries like China or India, differences in culture or climate can change what the population is expecting in their hygiene products. For instance, in some countries in APAC, users like thicker absorbent pads because they can be worn longer. And in other countries with warmer climates, users have shown a preference for certain additives to be used in the products that help them feel cool and comfortable in warm and humid temperatures. So obviously, having one or a few products to serve the entire region might not be the right approach. And with the population and GDP of the APAC region expected to grow over the next eight years, it would certainly help to know what is going on throughout the region if you want to find success as an article producer. Luckily, Bostic is here to help. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene, the podcast that enables you to grow your knowledge and influence in the absorbent hygiene industry. My name is Jack Hughes, and my mission is to help you, the absorbent hygiene article producer, design and produce the best possible products to meet the needs of your customers. On today's episode, we're speaking with Rocky Ye and Tina Lee. Rocky is Bostic's Asia Business Director, and Tina is our Strategic Market and Technical Service Manager for Asia. Together, they have more than two decades of experience working in the hygiene industry in R&D positions at Bostic, developing adhesives for absorbent hygiene products, and in technical support and sales roles, supporting article producers like you to develop and produce products for the APAC market. And they'll be bringing the expertise that they've developed over the last 10 plus years to you today. As we did with our interview on the EMEA market, we'll be breaking the interview into two episodes. In this first episode, Rocky and Tina will share insights on the size and growth potential of the APAC market, changes in demographics and user habits, and how the industry overall is responding to all of these changes. Then, on our second episode, they'll share some of the challenges being faced by article producers and their suppliers like Bostic, as well as some of the larger trends that they're seeing across the region and within different countries in Asia Pacific. Joining me today to discuss the Asia Pacific market for the disposable hygiene industry are Bostic's area business director, Rocky Ye, and our strategic market and technical service manager for Bostic Asia, Tina Lee. Rocky, welcome to the show. And Tina, welcome back. Thank you, Jack, for having me. Yeah, thank you, Jack. It's glad to get back to the talk. And we're happy to have you. We always like to ask all of our guests the same question to start out the interview, and that is, what do you like most about working in the hygiene industry? And Tina, we did not ask you this in your last interview, so we'll start with you. Can you tell us what you like most about working in the industry? Yeah, thank you, Jay. So I think hygiene industry is really crucial for wellness and health of people. 
So you see the diapers and the sanitary napkin make babies, women, and elder adults' life easier, more comfort, and more confident. So changes and innovation happen every day in this industry to meet consumer needs, and especially in this very dynamic market in Asia. So for me, it's interesting and challenging in working in such a market. Yeah, you you certainly hit on some of the points that many of our other guests have hit on that the the products that we contribute to impact people's lives, and the the industry itself is is always innovating. And so I I would definitely agree. It makes it very exciting to be working in it, and makes it very meaningful because we are contributing to the well being of pretty much everyone's life. Because everyone will use one of the products that we contribute to. At some point in their life, so yeah, definitely agree there. And Rocky, same question to you. What do you like most about working in the hygiene industry? Yeah, so you, you know, my majority of my master degree was the polymer science, and、uh, so I can play dual role in this industry. So from one side, I'm playing the material science、uh, part, and then I'm also the consumer because our customer are FMCG customers, so they sell their products to the consumer. So I'm playing both. Roles and then I can switch my thinking model, so it's from time to time very exciting and interesting journey in my working life. So I, I like this industry very much. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know whether you're a, a parent who's buying baby diapers for for your children, or you're a, a woman or, or someone who menstruates who's using menstrual health products, or Buying、uh, Dalton Connors products for yourself or for a family member, yeah, it, it's it's very nice to be able to to have that connection to what we're helping to produce, and you know, similar to what Tina said, and yeah, so and obviously with your your science background, I'm sure it adds a whole another level to that of being able to kind of switch hats and help see some of the trends in the industry and and some of the trends in the products and incorporate that into what we're doing every day. Yes, indeed. So. With that, then I think we'll we'll dive into the market itself, the Asia Pacific market, which both of you were kind enough to join us to talk about today. So we'll start by asking: Can you give us an overview of the the market and its size, and and share some of the the growth potential that's there? Yeah. So let me share first. So if we talk about the Asia market, the total size. Uh, of the disposable hygiene articles has reached to 350 billion units in 2021, so it actually accounts to almost 50 percent of the global market. And by 2025, this number will grow to 400 billion. So it's already a big market, and it's growing. The growth is actually、uh, driven by the increasing income in emerging markets、uh, like the India and Indonesia. The annual growth rate in these markets is expected to be between five to eight percent every year until 2025. But we can also see those dynamics across the segments in this region. Uh, we can see the island incontinent usage is expected to grow at double digit across the region every year, and that is due to the increased aging population,、uh, the increasing income of the family, and also awareness of the benefits of the incontinence products. And if we take a look at the baby diapers and the feminine care. The consumption are decreased in some developed countries, like in Japan, Korea, 
And so we even see these days the slowdown in China as well. But while we still expect to see the value growth of those two segments in Asia Pacific, that was due to the product innovation and the premiumization in developed markets and the volume growth in emerging markets. So as a kind of summary, the, uh, the adult continent will grow very fast as a double digit and the baby diaper will be grown in a single digit and the growth is mainly coming from the emerging markets. Yeah, so following what Tina has mentioned, so I just checked all this uh, data. So in China, the birth rate uh, keeps dropping and now it's at a rate of 7.5 per thousand. So it's already at the level of Japan. And the market uh, size is shrinking very significantly. So in 2016, we have babies at uh, over 17 million. But for 2021, we only have baby of 10 million. So that's a, a big reduction. And then we estimate that the market size uh, of the baby diaper in China will drop from 10 billion US dollar to 5 billion US dollar. Wow, yeah, so a lot of fluctuation there and, and similar to, to many other markets, the impact of declining birth rates certainly going to have an impact on, you know, China. It's already having an impact, as, as you said, on places like Japan and Korea. But again, similar to many other places, going to certainly be offset by the the penetration of adult incontinence products and feminine, feminine health products, feminine hygiene products as well. But yeah, I think the decrease in birth rates in some of these places has been very, very surprising for many in the industry, and that's only been exacerbated by some of the stuff going on with COVID-19. So it'll be interesting to see how birth rates rebound a little bit and, and how the industry can respond to that, or if it's just a more of a shift towards a focus on adult incontinence and, and feminine hygiene products to, to be able to offset some of that. So we touched on the growth and the potential outlook of, of the industry itself for the, the three market segments. But can you can now can you share some information on the demographics of the region and how those demographic shifts are playing a role in the growth in the market overall? Yeah, so there is a big diversity in Asia, as uh, you are aware. So from geographic perspective, we normally split Asia into North Asia and Southeast Asia and uh, South Asia. And those countries are geographically close and they have some similarity from their culture or religions. So North Asia is normally um, Korea, Japan, China, and Southeast Asia is those Asian country, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, Indonesia, etc. And then uh, you have India, Pakistan, Bangladesh in the south part of uh, Asia. And how are those markets expected to grow as far as GDP and and different income targets? Yeah, so we can look at that from country to country. So, for example, China's GDP increased 8% uh, in uh, 2021, and it uh, far exceeded its own target. And the Indian forecast uh, GDP was also 9% for 2022. And for Asian countries, Thailand, Vietnam, uh, Malaysia's GDP are expected um, between the range of 3.5 to 5.5 percent in 2022. So there are rapid economic growth in this region and it will drive the income growth. 
So we all know that the income is um, heavily related to the purchasing power on their consumption of uh, hygiene goods. So, for example, Japan's disposable income is around a thousand six hundred U.S. dollar per month, while China's disposable income is around five hundred U.S. dollar per month. And India is two hundred twenty mm-hmm. as of today. But the Indian market is a promising market with its rapid economic growth and also growing population. Yeah, so easy to tell that there's certainly a lot of potential with not only where disposable income stand now, but expecting GDP to increase as well, and along with it, that disposable income into the future, you know, allowing consumers to purchase, have more purchasing power, but also have more purchasing power as it pertains to the hygiene products and being able to buy more premium products and buy more products overall. So I think, as you alluded to, I think that's probably where we can expect to see a lot of that growth coming from. Yeah. Now, you both already mentioned this, but birth rates in some of the major economies like Japan and China are decreasing and or at least not growing as quickly as expected, which is impacting the baby diaper market, certainly. But at the same time, the the aging population is, is leading to an increase in the demand for incontinence products. So can you dive into that a little more and get some more specifics on both the decline in birth rates and the aging populations? Yeah, so as I mentioned, the size was shrinking by uh, 40 to 50 percent compared with 2016 for China. And the birth rate is low. And uh, note that China has uh, given up one child policy, but still people don't want to give babies. And Japan and Korea is pretty much the same. So it follows a pattern that when people are getting rich, the birth rate starts to drop significantly. And so for the aging population. Japan is well known with its over 30% of aged population in the country. And China's aging population is also getting bigger now to um, 12%. So this will become the next growth point. Yeah, so I actually agree with working because like uh, the uh, in Japan, so in those developed country, them have been seeing that the unit consumption of the adult incontinence uh, had override the baby diapers many years ago. And we think that actually this trend will come to China as well. So there is estimation based on today's baby care growth and also the adult incontinence products growth. Then maybe by 2030, and someone even said that by 2025, the consumption on the adult incontinence products will be more than the uh, diaper products. So it's actually exciting about this kind of change on the adult incontinence. And I think we're starting to see like uh, two or one years ago, the manufacturers of adult incontinence has, had already started investment. But today, the China market is still dominated by heavy adult incontinence products. Uh, but we see uh, manufacturers are st- starting making those light incontinence products to address the consumer needs. So it's kind of, you know, uh, a new opening opportunities for those manufacturers. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that makes it very, very exciting. And as you alluded to, not necessarily a new market, but a newer market. And, and I'm sure one where we're, we're bound to see 
innovations now coming out of some of these manufacturers in China, as we've seen with with baby or or feminine health products, because now there's this increased focus. So it'll definitely be exciting to see how the market in China for for adult incontinence products not only grows, but also drives drives some innovation. So I think the the last piece of demographic information here would be user habits. So what what are consumers doing and and what are their preferences around products? So can you touch on how those user habits are evolving in the region? Yeah, I would like I'd like to share about what I observed on the uh, uh, femcare products. Um, we see actually Asia has the most diversified culture. So that also affects the uh, consumer preference and behaviors of using the uh, sanitary napkin. So you will see that in some areas, women are fighting with taboo of using menstruation products. And for example, in India, uh, and also especially in the rural areas, that, that is still uh, where the improvement needs to be seen for the girls or women's uh, life. And also in India, women prefer to use pad longer, so that the stability and the leakage proof for longer time is expected. And in Indonesia, the thick pads with whims uh, still remain the largest volume share due to the trust of the consumer placed in the thickness of the pads to prevent leakage and the security offered by whims attached to the underwear. The Muslim women uh, which are the majority of the female population in this country, also follow the practice of washing their used disposable towels prior to disposal. So if article manufacturers wants to develop their business in Indonesia, then the uh, religious, it is to be re uh, respected as well. I, I can also list a few. What I see is that the young parents tend to change the diaper more often to avoid the diaper rash. Also, outdoor activities become more popular. Then parents prefer thinner diapers so they don't need to carry a bag full of diapers for their babies or young child. And this outdoor activities also create various demands. For example, swimming pants uh, or menstruation products for sports. Even the market size is shrinking China, uh, we can find a lot of innovation happen here. And uh, we can see more and more premium brands which sell at higher price. This may be caused by the fierce competition due to a smaller market size, but increased purchasing power. Yeah, on your, your last comment there, Rocky, I was doing some, some reading on the market in China in particular, and it said something very similar in that more brands are focusing on premium products because not only incomes are rising, but also competition is getting much greater due to, as you said, the, the decreasing market size. So, but I, I would think this is very good for consumers because they're getting better products. And while more premium products are being offered, it, it certainly means that, you know, the price is going to play a big role in attracting consumers. So like, it can be good for consumers to be potentially paying a lower price for more premium products. So I, I think that'll be very interesting. And, and Tina, yes, your comments on the user habits in different countries around pads, I think that's really interesting. You know, one of the things that we've talked about on, on many recent episodes is 
the access to products and saturation rates in certain certain markets. Not all women have access to these products or access to options. And as you said, that can lead to them wearing products for longer. But yeah, then also, also I, I found it very interesting about the habit of some women actually washing their, their disposable pads before actually disposing of them. And I had never heard that. That's something interesting. And obviously, that would be uh, something that manufacturers would have to keep in mind in order to create a product, produce a product that could stand up to that without falling apart so that a woman could clean that out, but then still be able to throw it away without it being inconvenient. So that's, that's very interesting. I, I hadn't heard that before. Yeah, so we actually have customers that put in the washing beads uh, in the lab king, and that's uh, launched in the uh, Indonesia market and is welcomed by the Muslim women. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> very, very interesting. So now we'll, we'll move on to some of the changes in the market. So with, with all the things you just mentioned, the changing demographics, the changes in market size, and some of these user habits that you mentioned, what is the result of this on the market? How is this impacting the market and causing it to change? Yeah, so uh, one of the trend is the commoditization. So the commoditization is normally caused by supply more than uh, demand. And with all this capacity that the suppliers are putting in several years ago in China, there were growing capacity. And not just for China, but uh, in the whole region, it also drives commoditization. So, and we should look at this from like two different angles. For uh, disposable hygiene manufacturer, it's mainly happening at the low to mid tier products. So we actually see the high end is going forward with more innovation and the diversity of product design with even higher price. So there is totally two different movement. And after many years of catching up, we also see lots of innovation with the Chinese local players. So for example, the pre-compound core is invented by local diaper player and the cross-direction pants is getting popular, mainly because of the Chinese machine players. Um, there are also innovation on marketing which is um, targeting at parents of post-90s. And then from the perspective of uh, the allied suppliers in the hygiene market, the commoditization is happening more broadly for various reasons, but mainly lower demand and high um, supply. We can find there is a chemical industry capacity boom in China. Just for you to be aware of a bigger picture, uh, not just the hygiene market, but the chemical industry in China currently is providing 40% of the world chemical capacity and is estimated to grow to 49% in 2030. And China as a world manufacturer is famous of low price and acceptable quality. So this now is happening in disposable hygiene market as well. There are enough machine, long woven or P film or super absorbent particles players, including the adhesives from China. So it's a market for local and, uh, and global players. And uh, it um, will drive the domestic market and the regional market to be more competitive and sometimes more commoditized. And depending on where you stand, the benefit of having such bigger capacity for hygiene market is the price getting better uh, stability and less affected by the global geopolitical event and the ocean shipment shortages issues. 
And also another effect of the commoditization is the material science innovation is not as quick as the diaper design. So I believe this commoditization of upstream material of disposable hygiene would continue for some years until the industry has a significant change. We can see some driving force such as the sustainability, like the bio-based or compostable materials are becoming more and more popular when policy or consumer acceptance and the supply chain uh, is ready, it will totally change the current material and the technology. So from, from time being, from the investment point of view, before the current commoditization momentum can change, I think the companies will reduce their investment on the upstream or fundamental studies, but they will focus more on application study and new product development, uh, which will bring more effective payback. Yeah, so I actually like to echo to what Rocky said about the largely availability of the materials, raw materials in the supply chain, and also the machine manufacturers actually lower down the, the cost of making hydrogen articles. So that actually drives the price down. Well, uh, if we also look at from the consumer side, taking China as an example, commoditization is one result of, of, like we said about the improved quality performance and the, the lower cost of the manufacturing. So that drives the price down. But actually in the past year, we see the low end tier had uh, comparatively grow uh, in a higher rate comparing to the high end tier, especially in the tier three and tier four cities. So you see probably the result of the unbalanced birth rates across the cities. The birth rates like in tier two and tier one or tier two city are reduced, but there's still attractive birth rate in tier three or four cities. So consumers are there then for the baby care, they still show a, a good uh, growth and due to the consumer buying power, that also you know, drives the growth of low end tier products. So that's drive the result of the commoditization as well. Yeah. Well, that's that's really interesting. I, I I guess I I didn't realize that you know in some of the as you said the tier one tier two cities that may have be having their collective GDPs increase at a higher rate and what you mentioned earlier, Rocky, that as people start to make more money, they tend to have less less children and therefore would be spending less money on the cheaper products and, and focusing more on the premium products. But still in these tier three, tier four cities there with, with maybe less income, but still having more kids, focusing on the more affordable or commoditized products and, and seeing the competition there. So that's that's really interesting. And, you know, Rocky, you, you mentioned the pre-compound core, the being invented by local China diaper producers. Yeah, I think we've been hearing about that for a couple of years now, at least, you know, in, internally at Bostic, been discussing the pre-compound cores. And I know one thing that, that many people on our team have been predicting is that at some point, that's probably going to come out of China and move to other markets, perhaps like Africa or Latin America, because of some of the benefits of using a pre-compound core. That'll be really interesting to see how that expands and what impact that'll have on some of those other markets. Yeah. Yeah. So we can see 
maybe not the hygiene players yet, but the machine manufacturers are exporting their machines to countries like India or Africa. And uh, when they export their machine, they are exporting their um, technology and the processing. So they are enable the different market to have the same processing technology and help them to have the uh, operating of their diaper manu manufacture process. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I guess, you know, related to that, the, the next thing we wanted to touch on was kind of the expansion across the Asia Pacific region, but also out of the Asia Pacific region, which you just kind of alluded to with with some of the influence of not just material suppliers, but also the machine producers. But this is also happening at, at a higher level for the hygiene article producers themselves, correct? Yeah. So we need to split into uh, two parts. So in Asia, uh, mainly the Japanese disposable manufacturers, um, they already start to expand to other regions. Like Unitrum is now considered as a global manufacturers with their presence in Asia, Americas, and the Middle East and Africa. Um, Dio is also growing its geographic presence globally. And it acquired Ozen in Turkey and Sander in Brazil. So this global expansion really requires strong finance capability and international business experience. So far, there are very few uh, Chinese disposable hygiene company in the stock market. And the expansion pace of Chinese players are generally slower. So far, we see the mainly direct export their hygiene goods to other market, or they build some factories, mainly in Africa. Yeah, but also see a, a few or one of them expecting not globally, but in Asia Pacific. Like there's a Chinese diaper manufacturer, a famous one in China called Wensun. They actually ship hands with Makuku. Kuku is a big retailer platform. Kuku is a big retailer platform uh, for baby and mom products. And then uh, they plant to that uh, plant of making diaper in Indonesia. So not only about Chinese diaper manufacturer, but the others. So we heard about like recently a Turkey-based diaper manufacturer, Hayat Kimia, had a grand opening of their new plant in Vietnam. So I think of those manufacturers, they are quite interesting in this market because of the size, which is actually account for 50% of the hydro markets globally and also the high growth. Yeah, so we expect more limes will be uh, invested in this region. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I, I read recently, relatively recently, we saw a lot of Chinese parents, parents in China, purchasing Japanese products and Japanese products being imported into the market to kind of meet the the needs of, or maybe some of the premium needs of Chinese parents. And now we're kind of seeing the opposite where the producers in China have kind of have started to produce enough premium products to meet the demand in China, but also expand into other markets, which, which you kind of just mentioned where they're making agreements and, and starting to export and produce in, in other countries in Asia Pacific. And now these absorbent hygiene products from China are becoming exports into other markets as opposed to importing premium items previously. Now, so there's also some consolidation in the market as well, correct? 
we heard some consolidation, for example, in South China, and uh, we expect more will come. Yeah. So there was a case that uh, Kimberly Clark, well, probably you all, you all know that, that Kimberly Clark acquired Softex in Indonesia, right, to strengthen its market position yeah. in this high growth market. Yeah. So there yeah. was not many cases, but there's one or two, and we saw the acquisition and consolidation of uh, those uh, hydratical manufacturers in this region. Yeah, but okay. I agree with Rocky that uh, more will come. Yeah. Definitely. So one, one thing that is is pretty big in places like the US and, and Europe and is, is continuing to grow is kind of the influence and the availability of these private label and store brands. So what is the influence of private label brands in, in the Asian market? It's interesting because we see more and more local brands in the top 10 baby diaper brands. This brand has led high-end diaper evolution and are selling at an even higher price in this generally commoditized market. So like e even the global players like Kimberly Clark are, are following this momentum created by local brands and they created a very good sales. That's interesting that some of these players are, are selling at a higher price than some of the global brands. Yeah. 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 So uh, I'm not sure. Maybe Jackie, you don't know, but Rocky definitely know that uh, there is a company called Baby Care. So actually, according to e-commerce report in Q1 in recently, that uh, this manufacturer, the diaper manufacturer, had uh, taken the fourth place just after Cal, yeah, in the e-commerce uh, selling, selling board. So the best sellers of the diapers. There, if you look at the unit price of this brand, it's actually not cheap. It's even higher than the uh, biggest famous uh, international brands. Wow. Uh, yeah, so they actually are taking the share from the big giants. They are not uh, presenting themselves as cheap replacement uh, because they are also quite flexible in their organization and also can take care very quickly about the innovative raw materials in the market. So they have a very short diaper cycle, design cycle to meet the consumer needs or like the softness, breathability, absorbance. So, yeah, so they actually taking the share, especially on the e-commerce channel. Very interesting. And so are you seeing many new entrants into the market then with not only an increase in some of the GDP and, and demographics, but also then the success of some of these local companies compared to the multinationals? In, in Asia, it's, it's still dominated by the global and the regional brands. PNG, Kimberly Clark, Cal, Dow, Unitrom. But there are new brands coming in, and these are not really newcomers in the market. We see those people uh, worked in this industry for many years. Yeah, I think there may be a, like a small private brands are entering the market. But like uh, Rocky said, the global and regional brands are still dominate uh, the market, especially in Asia and in India. And in China, this market, both for the diaper and also the family care lapkin, they are more diversified. In China, due to you know the decreased baby birth rate, and uh, they are expecting that the demands for the baby diapers will be flat. Well, we we still have the uh, growth room for the penetration, but 
uh, this market is kind of slow down. And we're starting to see the manufacturers who used to make the diapers and move their focus to Femicare product. So we see more uh, Femicare lines are inv invested in China. And, and we also talk about the add-on continent. So there are also more folks move to the add-on continent. So maybe no, not new entrants, but just a new investment, not new investment, but some change of the focus to other segments. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So there you have it. You now have a nice overview of the current APAC market and how it is expected to grow in the coming years. On part two of this interview, we'll cover some of the challenges producers are facing based on all of the changes we just discussed, then touch on a few of the five C's or consumer trends influencing the market before then wrapping up by touching briefly on sustainability. For those listeners that are still interested in receiving our new CSR white paper, you can have it sent directly to you by completing our listener survey. It takes less than four minutes and gives you the opportunity to share your thoughts on the show. Just go to attachtohygiene.com, that's all one word, click the button at the top of the screen that says, take our listener survey, answer the questions, and then you'll get an email directly from me with a copy of the CSR white paper. We appreciate any feedback you are willing to share about the show. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Paul Andrews, Michelle Tonkovitz, Emery Chernis, and Nikki Ackerman at Green Onion Creative. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. We'd like to extend a special thank you to our guests, Tina Lee and Rocky Yeh. You can find Tina on LinkedIn or you can feel free to address any emails to them directly at the hygiene at bostic.com email address. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.